Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did the disciples. Turn to verse 23. Jump down a few verses. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house, we learn his name is Jairus, and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, get out. Some of your translations say, go away. Everybody say, get out. Everybody say, get out. The girl is not dead, but asleep. Then look at this. They laughed at him. Imagine that. They're laughing at Jesus. Nobody would ever do that. Why would they laugh at Jesus? After the crowd had been put out, been put outside, he went in, took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread throughout all the region. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, get out. <laughs> now stay in and sit down. Amen. <laughs> Everybody say, get out. Everybody say, get out. All the ladies, get out. All the men, get out. We're going to tell some things to get out today. We're going to tell some things that need to get out of our lives. That they don't belong in our lives. Now, here in this portion of Scripture, I'm going to break this down really quickly because I want to get to the things that need to get out of our lives. But I need to make a full context of what is happening and taking place here. The Bible says here that there's a synagogue leader. We learned that this man's name is Jairus. Everybody say Jairus. Everybody say Jairus. Now it's important to note that he's a synagogue leader. What does that mean? It means that as he's a synagogue leader, there is an important role that he has in the community. He's not just a nobody. He is a somebody. Now, the Bible says he was a synagogue leader, so in other words, he could have been a part of the spiritual leadership of the community. So when people had problems, they would go to men like him. Now, he wasn't the rabbi, but he was a part of the leadership of the movement of the community. He could have been the one very well to kind of uh, open up the gates of the temple. He could have been the one that was there that when people saw when they would walk by the temple, he's standing there. He's, he is there, and he represents the authority of the spirituality of that community. That's what this man represented. The Bible says that these men, what they would have to do is they would have to live by the law. So what was happening here is he was going outside of the law. What he was doing as a synagogue leader was going outside the law and going to Jesus. He was going, the Bible says that he knelt before him. He, other translations say they wor he worshipped him. Now why is this important? This is important because he is a spiritual leader and you are only so, supposed to worship one God. The book of Moses says, I will have no other gods before me. So all of a sudden, here's a spiritual leader of the community kneeling before what seemed like just a man. Why are you kneeling before this man? Is this man truly the Messiah? He's going beyond the law. In other words, his faith is taking him beyond what other people, where everybody stops at. 
He's going beyond it all. See, some of you here, if you're going to be able to tell some things to get out, you have to go beyond what you know, beyond what you feel. And you have to go with it by faith. Somebody say, by faith. Somebody say, by faith. See, he makes a statement that is one of the strongest faithful statements in all the scripture. He comes to Jesus and he says, my daughter is dead, but my situation is gone, but my finances are hopeless, but my marriage is in shambles, but my kids don't listen to me, but my life is not all together, but if you come into my life, it all changes. If you will come and live with me, my whole life will change. See, some of you right now, you need a life-changing moment in your life. You need a life-altering moment. And I want you to know something. You are here at the right place at the right time with the right God and with the right people. You've got a lot of people around you that love to change. Can I hear an amen? So if you're here right now say, man, I need a change, then you need to know something. You are sitting right next to a change agent. You are sitting right next to other people that have made changes. And if you need altering within your life, then you are serving the right God. God is going to do something in your life right here, right now. If you will just change everything that's around you and say, I want to go beyond because my life is in shambles. But if you come in, everything changes. If you come into my life, it will all change. See, the faith that this man had to go beyond the law was to see the impossible. See, faith will take you places that you've never been before. It will break the unbreakable, shatter the unbelievable. Faith will even defend you when you're defenseless. Faith will provide for you when you have no more provision. Faith will feed you when you're hungry. Faith will even make you believe for a dead girl's life. Somebody once said, faith is putting all your eggs in God's basket and believing for the blessings even before they hatch. That's what faith is. I believe it. I believe that God is going to bless me even though I may not be experiencing the blessings right now. I'm believing for it. Listen, some of you, you got to believe for your healing even right now. You may not see it. The doctors may not even believe it, but you have to put all your faith in God. When you put your faith in God, the healing is already on its way. Somebody say, it's on its way. Somebody say, it's on its way. You may not see it, but it's on its way. Tell your neighbor, it's on its way. See, that's what happened here with Jairus. He understood that if Jesus would just come on his way, something was going to happen. Some of you got to know right now, your blessing is on its way. See, the Bible says here in verse 23 that Jesus came into the house and there were hordes of people there. The Bible says that they were playing music. Now, what's important to understand, the music that was going on here was not party music. This was not the, oh, that's my jam kind of music. Matter of fact, you know what this music was? This music was death music. There was death in the house. Whenever there's death, you can sense it in the music. See, that's why some of you got to understand. Some of you, you got to change the song you've been singing for the past few years. Nobody knows. Nobody cares for me. 
Nobody calls me. You're singing the same old song over and over and over and over again. That's why when you walk into the room, even people will even tell you, you ever walked into a room and you walk in there and you go, ooh, what is this? You know why? Because people have been playing the same song in their spirit for the past few years. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. Nobody thinks about me. Nobody understands. But what did Jesus do? He said, hey, 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 stop with that music. Stop that. Matter of fact, you know what he told them? He said, get out. Get out. See, some of you, you need to tell some people in your life, get out. Oh, but, but I, I want to be nice. I want to be a Christian. You want to be a Christian? Tell them to get out. Oh, God would never do that. Are you sure? Are you, are you positive? Are you positive about that? Because you would think that, oh, you know, it's okay. We, we need more people around. We need some more people to be here. And, you know, no, 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 no. Actually, sometimes, you know, you know what I've realized? The older I get, the more important it is to have less friends and have real friends. That's what I've learned. See, because when you're in high school, everybody's my friend. Yeah, oh, that's my friend. That's my friend. That's my friend. Everybody's a friend. You know what? You know, you'll find that some of the people that you called your friends are actually your enemies, and they're actually your frenemies. And you've got to be very careful because if you're not careful, those people keep singing the same song since you've been singing since you were in junior high. The same old song. And you've got to be very, very careful with that because you're not realizing that song is actually death music. It's killing your spirit. See, it's a spiritual battle. Somebody say spiritual battle. Somebody say spiritual battle. I can't tell you how many times I, even myself, gotten counsel or I've given counsel about how, hey, well, let's talk a little bit. And the more I dive deeper into the situation, you know what I found? It's not necessarily always that person. It's the people they surround themselves with. Well, well I, what do you think about maybe uh, kind of not hanging out at one in the morning with that person? Oh, no, but that's my friend. Uh, it's your friend, but, man, they're putting you in a horrible situation. They just keep singing the same old death song over and over and over and over again. You know what's heavy about this story is that the Bible says that it was a funeral. In other words, the, the woman or the girl had died. Now, when she had died, all of a sudden, right away, because it's a custom, when somebody comes, they bring everybody in. This is what's crazy about it. The Bible says that there was a lot of people singing the song, playing the music. They were a part of the atmosphere. They were a part of what's going on. Now think about this. The woman, the girl had just died. Jairus was a synagogue leader. In other words, he had position and role in the community. So in order to be a positional person, you have to show your prestige by the more people that show up. You ever been to a party and you have no idea who those people are? You're like, hey, who's this guy? And the party's at your house? But because the more people that show up, the more popular you feel. Feel good. All right. It's the same even for at that time with the custom of funerals. It wasn't just parties, but also funerals. The more people at your funeral, the more prestigious you are. Now, the Bible says that these people were crying. Now, when you learn the customs of these days, they would hire people to cry at funerals. They still do that to this day. They'll hire people to come and cry at a funeral. Why? Because the more people that come, the more popular you are. So they'll just pay them to get followers. That doesn't sound like anything that happens today, right? Instagram or Facebook, they don't do that stuff. Same thing that happened then, still happens now. 
They'll pay them. Look, I'll just pay you to just be my friend. Did you know I was looking this up? This is crazy. I, I thought this was a joke. It's not a joke. It's going to sound like a joke. It's really not a joke. They have an app. Don't go get it. But there's an app that you can pay someone to come and cuddle with you. Sounds funny, huh? The guy who made it, he's already a multimillionaire. What does that mean? That means it goes to show you the oppression that people are in. That they're looking for love in all the paid places. It sounds funny, right? But it's really not. The people will come, and all they will do, matter of fact, even on the app, they'll, you can get paid for them to just stand at the door, they'll open the door, and they'll hug you for an hour. That's crazy, huh? I know, it's creepy too, right? It is creepy. But the guy wouldn't have invented it if it wasn't needed. Somehow, some way, this is needed. See, what am I saying? I'm saying, look, you got to be very careful with that oppressive spirit that will try and sing you a deathly song and put you down and keep you down. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares for you. Nobody wants to hear anything you have to say. Your past is so messed up. Your experiences, everything you, who would want to touch you? Who would want to marry you? Who would want to be around you? Who would want to listen to anything you say? Man, you don't know what you're talking about. You're an idiot. You're a dummy. You never graduated nothing. You have nothing good to say. But oh, my friend, I'm here to tell you, there is somebody here that wants to come into your life and turn it all around. And he's all always loved you and he's always cared for you but you know what you got to do first is you have to kick some people out of your life see the healing happened I'm not talking about the healing but the healing happened of Jairus's daughter after he kicked him out it happened after now I'm not going to talk about the healing that's a good one I could talk about that for a little while but I want to talk about the things that have to get out of your life right now See, some of you want a healing, you want a miracle, then guess what? There's some things and some people that need to get, they need to get, tell your neighbor, get out. Okay, but not right now, not yet, don't just stay right here. They need to get out. What are some of the things that within our lives that need to get out? I'm going to go over these just really quick. The first thing that we need to tell to get out of our lives is pride. Pride. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I'm going to say that one more time. Pride comes or goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know what pride is? Pride is like a sneaky parasite. It will eat away any promise that God gives you on the inside. See, when you got saved, that's a promise, right? That's what salvation is. Salvation is a gift or a promise. That's what salvation is. It's a promise. God has promised you something. He has given you something. But the thing about the gift is that you have to then take care of it. Have you ever given your kids a gift and you come back a day later and it's all jacked up and you get so mad? Okay, maybe you don't, but I do. I give my kids something and I come back and... What? You just broke it. I just gave it to you. God, I'm, and I, as a father, I'm like, I'm never giving you anything ever again. I'm so mad. 
But then as a dad, what do you do? All right, here. You know what pride does? Pride eats away at the gift of salvation that God has given you. It eats away at it. See, he gave you something, but pride then says, ah, it's worthless. It's not a big deal. You don't really need that gift. But it's a powerful gift, a powerful promise. You know what I've learned about pride is that pride cannot be told anything. When I was in the UTC, there was always somebody that I would call or we would call brother or sister I know. You ever had those people? Oh, that's brother I know. That's sister I know. Right? They're like, hey, we're going to, you know, I, we're all going to go over here. Yeah, 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 I know. Wow, okay. Hey, do you, you think that you can go? Yeah, 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 I know. I didn't even finish my sentence. Can I just... You walk up to him, hey, did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I know. My God, I can't even say anything. But there's always that brother I know. See, because that spirit of I know never learns. I know, I know, I know. I can't tell you how many people I talk to, I try to get into the home, or I try to get to come into the women's home or the men's home or whatever it might be and say, hey, man, God's got a plan for you. You know what they tell me? I know. You know, but you're not doing anything about it. See, knowledge is scary. Knowledge is scary. Because knowledge coupled with pride is destructive. It's destructive. See, if you really want to get everything that God has called you to have, then my friend, you need to get rid of some of those prideful thoughts, those prideful actions. You need to tell them this year before 2018 comes, you need to tell it to get out. Pride does not belong in your life anymore. Get that parasite and kick it out because God is going to do something powerful in 2018. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? You know what the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 6? It says, God resists the proud. You know what the word resist is? Resist is a battle formation. That's what the word resist. You've ever heard? you watched the movies before, right? And they call, hey, well, what's happening? Or these TV shows, hey, what are we doing? Oh, come on over here. We're a part of the resistance. We're a part of the resistance. What is that saying? God is saying, look, I hate pride so much, I'm ready to fight over it. I don't like this. Get that out of here. Pride does not belong in this house. See, some of you got to get, so the Bible says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The violent is not with this hand, but the violent is with your spirit. That you have to get so violent against pride, you got to kick it out. Pride doesn't belong there. Pride doesn't belong in your house. Pride doesn't belong in your spirit. Pride doesn't belong in your heart. This year, this moment, this time, you got to say, pride, get out. Pride does not belong here. Some of you, you got to take the humble road. Oh, my gosh. Yes, for Thanksgiving, you don't need pumpkin pie. You need humble pie. Sometimes it tastes a little bitter, but guess what? Mm -mm, it's good for your soul. It's good for you. It's some of the best Stuff that your soul can ever have. Some of you this year, tell your pride to get out. Tell your neighbor, get out. Now tell them, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your pride. Number two, you know what you got to tell to get out? Rebelliousness. Rebelliousness. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason 
Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. You know the problem with authority is that most instruction comes from people in authority. That's the problem with authority. We grew up, all of us pretty much grew up hating authority. Don't listen to her. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. So all of a sudden, this spirit just comes up and says, I could do it on my own. I don't need nobody. I don't need no one. I got this. I could do whatever I want. The, the funny thing is, is that we grow up, especially in our neighborhoods, we grew up hating the cops. Hate the cops. We even have names for them. You know, the pigs, whatever it might be. The cops, man. We don't like these cops. This is crazy. Stupid cops. These dumb cops. But guess what happens if somebody breaks into your house? Who do you call? Because we want authority when we feel it's good for us. We just don't want authority when we feel it's not good for us. We just want to pick and choose. The Bible says that you need authority all the time. You need it over your life. It's very important for your soul. Not important for you as a person in the physical body. It's important for your soul. Because we keep account, I keep account, of your everlasting soul. I'm very concerned with your eternal soul. That's what I'm concerned with. So when we give certain instructions or certain happenings, hey, I wouldn't do that if I were you. you my father used to say this, pastors are nothing more than the great suggestors. We just suggest. Oh, can I get a tattoo? Do whatever you want. Can I go, can I go have a sip of beer? Do whatever you want. Well, can I go over to this party? Hey, do whatever you want. But what do you suggest? Well, I'll tell you what I suggest. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. See, and I talked about it earlier because so many people get, they, they, they despise the what because they don't understand the why. There's a reason why. Hey, pastor, what do you think? Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't marry her, but hey, if you want to do it, go for it. That's on you. I'm telling you, 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 think he, you think he's a good-looking guy. He is good-looking, but after that wedding day, he's going to be a beast, and I'm telling you, you just don't know. But, hey, you go for it if you want. It's all on you. Be careful. Be very careful. See, there's a reason why there's an instruction or an authority over your life to help with the instruction, not necessarily over your body, although that helps, but really over your soul, your soul. And the Bible says... Here in Psalms chapter 68, verse 6, it says, But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. You know what rebellion does? Rebellion leaves you dry. If you ever feel like you're in a dry place, probably because you haven't had instruction in a little while. It could be why. You've pushed everybody out around you that is trying to fill your soul with something good. Trying to push it on, and you say, man, why do I feel so dry? Because when's the last time? You took heed to any instruction. When's the last time you sought any counsel? There, there's, there's a reason for that. Listen to me, church. And believe me, I am in no way, shape, or form coming up here saying I'm the ultimate authority in, any, in anything. No way, no how. I don't know all of it. I've only been married a few years. I've only got four kids. Some of you guys got more kids than me. Some of you guys have been around a lot longer than me. I am in no way, shape, or form claiming to have any sort of wisdom on all subjects. But what I am saying is that one thing I do know is I want to do my best for your soul. I want to do my best for your soul. Whatever we can do for your soul, that's what matters. And that's 
For God has placed us over you as your pastors, as your shepherds. Somebody say shepherds. If you're here today and you don't have a shepherd, I'm going to tell you right now, you need one. You need a shepherd. Now you probably say, well, pastor, are you saying I need an authority over my life? No, 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 no. You need a shepherd, somebody to care for your soul, somebody that's going to tell you, I wouldn't go over that cliff. Oh, no, I could, I could jump it, pastor. I know what I'm doing. Okay. But at least you got somebody to tell you, look out for that cliff. Look out for that pothole. I, I, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And if you're feeling dry, it could be because that rebellious spirit is living in your house. You know what you got to do? Tell it to get out. This year, if you want something fresh and new within your life, tell it to get out. Somebody say, get out. Somebody say, get out. A third thing that you need to tell to get out of your house is insecurity. Insecurity. Somebody say, insecurity. See, insecurity produces false identities. It makes you want to become someone that you're not. You know, for three years, the most Googled woman on earth, you know who that was for three years straight? Kim Kardashian. Most Googled woman for three years straight. Not anymore, but she was for three years. Most Googled woman. And you know what it was all Googled? It was Kim Kardashian's hair. Kim Kardashian's makeup. Kim Kardashian's dress. Kim Kardashian's look. Kim Kardashian's, I was like, oh my gosh, is this, is this really true? Like all this stuff? Num number one Google search. Because of all the people that wanted to look like her. All the people that wanted their identity like her. Because if I look like her, I will feel like her. You know what that is? It's a false identity. It's a false identity. Man, if I attain more things, I will be a powerful man. If I get all these things, if I attain all this stuff, if I get a, a bigger house, a bigger car, a bigger this, a bigger that, man, I'm going to feel powerful. False identity. It's a false identity. The Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Be void inside. Void of your soul. See, it's an insecurity. See, insecurity wants you to live in the past. It wants you to live in the good old days. Oh, remember way back when? Remember what you, you know where, what I found? This is a, a big one for marriages. Remember way back when, when he used to take you out on a date? He doesn't date you anymore. Man, look, remember way back when, when she used to tell you every day that she loved you? She doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. You don't need him anymore. You don't need her anymore. Insecurity. Insecurity. Makes you live in the past way back when. And if you're not careful, that little insecurity is like a termite. It just keeps biting, biting, biting. And the thing is, you don't see it. Until the wood falls apart. So what happened? What took place? It's just that little termite of insecurity. See, insecurity will whisper softly into your ear that someone, will like, someone like you will never really amount to anything and that your best years are behind you. Insecurity encourages you to hold on to this dysfunctional crutch of what was. See, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the thing man looks at, but man looks at the outward, but the Lord looks at the 
heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Listen, my friend, this is what you need to do. You need to know. We don't come to church to look good on the outside. I'll say amen. Pastor, that was pretty good right there. I, I like that right there. That's pretty good. Thank you for that. I needed that right there. We don't come to church to look good on the outside. Pastor, that was good. I'm glad you said that twice, man. That was really, really good. Can you say that one more time? I will, other Stemon. Thank you for that. We don't come to church to look good on the outside. Now, I know you're, you're probably saying, well, Pastor, that sounds good. I know. But you know what it starts? It starts when you wake up in the morning. That's when it starts. It starts when you wake up in the morning. Because if you're getting dressed and you're getting ready for that guy or that girl, and I'm even talking to married couples. I'm even talking, you should be coming to church for God. Be coming to church. Because you know what I'm going to tell you? There's going to be some days where your spouse doesn't want to come to church. Are you still going to go? Your spouse is not going to go, oh, man. But if you have all your security in them, when the security falls out, your deposit is gone. No more security deposits. You need to be secure in who God is. See, when you're secure in who God is, then whatever anybody else does doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I had a talk with a guy the other day, and we were talking about stocks and bonds, and he was breaking some things down to me. And he was telling me about when the stock market had dropped so far down, he said that people were committing suicide over it. I said, are you for now?" I'm you know, not that learned in stocks and bonds. I don't really know all that much. But he was telling me, he said, oh, yeah, when the stock market, it went all the way down. People lost their livelihoods and other people's livelihoods, and they didn't know what to do. So they got into depression. The spirit of oppression came over them. Some people started committing suicide. They didn't know what to do because they had their whole life deposited in that. Man, that's a crazy thought right there. Just to think about that, that your whole life is put into that. Now, I'm going to take that and turn that around for us. Listen, for those of you that you have your whole life set in what you couldn't accomplish but your children have to accomplish, you better be very careful because your children might let you down. If you have your whole thing based on your children, but your family's, oh, come on, man, we got to do this. You're not doing that. All of a sudden, you get a false expectation in your children. You could find yourself in a bad scenario. If you have all your hope and all your security in your husband or in your wife, and all of a sudden they let you down, because guess what? Your spouse will let you down. If your spouse has never let you down, just come up here right now. I'll sock you right now. And then, no, I'm just kidding. And I'll just say that was on their behalf. They hate you. you know. They're going to let you down. Your mom is going to let you down. Your dad is going to let you down. Your brothers, your family are going to let you down. But there's only going to be one person that will never, ever let you down. And that man is Jesus Christ. So that's why coming up, if there's some things in your life right now that are in your house that you need to tell to get out, it is that insecurity. I am a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. My past is gone. I am a new man. I am a new woman. God has made me a child of him. I am a child of God. Say that with me. Say, I am a child of God. Say, I am a child of God. Some of you got to tell yourself that every day. You're a child of God. Don't look at your paycheck and let your paycheck determine your value. Your paycheck doesn't determine your value. 
God has already given you so much value. Your boss doesn't give you value. God has already given you value. So if you have that insecurity, get out of here. Whatever you got to do, kick it out. Fourth thing, the last thing I'm coming to a close right here that you need to tell to get out is foolishness. Foolishness. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. You know what foolishness says? Foolishness says, it'll never happen to me. I got this. I'm good. See, now, which brings me back to my other point. People always ask me, as a Christian, as a pastor, one of the first things I always get, one of the first questions from those that really have been diving into the subject of church, you know what they always ask me? They say, well, at your church, do you guys drink? That's one of the first questions I always get. Do you guys drink? And before I give them the straight answer, I start coming back with them. I'll talk with them. Start sharing with them about drinking. And then I'll tell them a little bit of my testimony. Tell them about my father. He was a drinker. He was a drug addict. All that stuff. And then I, finally we get to the point where I say, look, it's not that I can't drink. It's just I don't want to drink. I just have no desire. I have no desire to kill my liver. I just have no desire. Now, others, they may have a desire. See, because foolishness says, oh, oh, I could do a little drink. It's no big deal. It'll never happen to me. It'll, oh, me and him, oh, man, we're like two pieces in a pot. We've been meant for each other since day one. If you were meant for each other since day one, you'd be twins, all right? Be careful with that. He's my everything. She's my everything. I would be very careful with that. I'd be very careful with that. So when people come to me and say, well, Pastor, what do you think? And I'll give them my advice, and they say it right back to me, and they say, oh, yeah, no, I get it, but that'll never happen to me. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Matter of fact, a lot of the testimonies I always hear about people who got into heavy drugs, you know how it started? Small drug. Simple drug. Little drug. Nobody ever became a heroin addict. Nobody ever grows up saying, man, I want to be a heroin addict. Nobody grows up saying that. I want to be a meth addict. I want to be an alcoholic. And I want to drive drunk everywhere I go. Nobody says that. Nobody ever says that. And if they do, that they're blurting out they really are foolish. But nobody ever says that, but it starts small. It starts small. That's why you got to be very careful with the small things. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above, looking down with tender love. Oh, be careful, little ears and eyes and hands, what you touch. Be careful. It's the little things. It's not the big things. See, when we come to church, this is the big things. Hey, how you doing? Great. Hey, how's everything going? Awesome. Hey, how do you feel? Tremendous. But then on Monday, oh, be careful, little computer, what you watch. It's the little things. It's the little things. And the Bible says foolishness is bound up in that heart. You got to be very, very 
careful with it. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16 says, One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. I shared about this earlier when we talked about anger. you got to be very careful on acting on that emotion of anger because a quick-tempered person just, I mean, you know what, I'm just going to say whatever comes out of my mouth. Listen, uh, I've heard some of the things that come out of your guys' mouth. If I were you, I would just close it. Some of you got to tell foolishness to get out of your house, get out of your heart, get out of your life. You know how to tell foolishness to get out? Close your mouth. Some of you guys want to give somebody a piece in your mind that you can't afford to give away. Don't do it. The best way to tell foolishness to get out, close the mouth. The last thing to get out of your, of your life, the fifth thing is laziness. Laziness. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 16, as it comes to the piano. Verse, six, uh, verse 16 says, the lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. See, lazy folk are unteachable. Lazy folk, you can't teach them anything because they just want to do what they want to do whenever they want to do it, however they want to do it, whenever it's time to do it. Just lazy. Lazy folk think they're smarter than others. Now, what's very important, I'm not just talking about lazy in the physical because we could talk about that for days. Now, for those of you that you are here, maybe in the physical, and you don't like to work hard, I want to tell you something, work hard. And, and if your body can't do it, your spirit has to do it. Don't get lazy in the spirit. But lazy to the point of even where the Bible says, lazy to your oath. An oath is a promise. And many people can get lazy to the promise that they made to God. Whatever promise it is, I don't know. I don't know the promise you made to God. Remember last year or remember in 2015 when you said, God, I'm going to do this for you. Are you doing that? God, I'm going to come to church more. Are you doing that? God, I'm going to help out somebody. Remember when we had somebody come up here and they started sharing about the homeless and you're like, man, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to do it every week. I'm going to feed a homeless person. Right? Everybody makes up an oath. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Not lazy necessarily in your hands, lazy to the oath, the promise. The Bible even says it's better that you don't make an oath if you can't keep it. Don't make it if you can't keep it. See, what you and I have to understand is that God made a promise to us. He made a promise to you. He made a promise to me. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm going to be there for you in the good times and the bad times. In the beautiful times and the ugly times, I'm going to be there for you. Keeping the oath, keeping the promise. See, my prayer here is that we would get prepared and get ready for what's coming up in this new season. Some of you guys are going into a new season. You're going into a new season of your life. But there's some things and some people in your life that you need to tell to get out. It's not rude. It's not something where you're like, oh, my God, I'm being a horrible person. No, you need to tell some things or some people in your life, they need to get out. They don't belong. If you're going to get the healing that you want, if you're going to get the miracle that God's going to provide for you, then some things need to get out. They don't belong in your life anymore. 
See, that's one of the reasons why we have the men's home set up the way that we do. That's our structure. It's not that we're saying, oh, okay, your, your, your wife can't visit you. No. The thing is, you need to get right so that you can be a better husband for your wife. That's how it works. Oh, but my wife, my kids. No, no, no. Think of it like this. If you have any kids in the home. If you're honest, you were not the greatest father before you came into the home. If you're honest. You probably weren't the greatest father. Maybe you were. Maybe you weren't. Majority aren't. I'll just be honest for you. Majority weren't. They weren't the greatest father and they weren't the greatest husband if you're married. So the way it's set up is that we're trying to get all the, all the ugly out so that we could put all the good in. That's the way it's set up. So we can say, hey, you are a great man of God. You are a powerful man of God. God is doing something inside of you. The enemy tried so much to rob you and steal and destroy you. We got to put you in a scenario, put you in a situation where we got to cut all that out so that we can put the good in. See, that's the reason why we come to church. We don't come to church to look good on the outside. We come to church because we're messed up on the inside. I'm messed up. I need this ugly out. I need this pride out. I need this insecurity out. I need this foolishness out. I need this laziness. Oh, God, this rebelliousness. Oh, my God, I need this thing out. I need to get it out of me. I'm so tired of it living and residing in rooms that it doesn't belong in my heart. This thing needs to go. Listen. You're the landlord of your heart. You're the only one that can tell pride to leave. You're the only one. I can't do it. I could suggest, but I can't do it. It's up to you. Victory Outreach Heart, my prayer here is that you would be able and have the boldness and have the strength to say, you know what? Some of these things need to get out. Rebelliousness needs to get out. Maybe there's just one thing. Maybe not all five things, but there's something that you need to tell to get out. Rebelliousness needs to get out. Pride needs to get out. Foolishness needs to get out. Laziness needs to get out. I don't know what it is, but some of you, you might have been singing the same old song for the past few years, but this coming new season, you're not going to sing the same song that you sang last season. There is a new song and a new season that's coming into your life, that's coming into your heart. You're going to be a new man a new woman, a new mom, a new father, this coming new season. God has a new promise for your life. A new promise for your life. A new season for your life. You're a new creation. 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 Some of you guys, you got to remember that. You think you're the same old man. You're not the same old man. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. Behold, all things, all things have passed away. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. You're a new wife. You're a new husband. You're a new son. You're a new daughter. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. Stand with me here this afternoon. Father, we thank you. Father, we praise you. Lord, have your way within our hearts, within our minds, within our bodies, within our souls. Lord, let your spirit do something new within us, oh God. Let your spirit do something new within us, oh God. We don't want the same thing even from last year. Lord, we want a new touch. We're coming into this new season, this new season, oh God. We want to be a new man, a new woman, Lord God. And if there's some things within our lives that need, we need to tell to get out, then Father, we're going to tell it to get out. 
If you're here today and you know that something in this message touched you and you're saying, you know what, there's a couple things that need to get out or maybe some things that I didn't even share, but you know it needs to get out of your life. It does not belong in your life. It should not reside with you. It doesn't belong residential in your spirit. And you need a talent to get out. I want you to slip out of your seat. Come to this altar.